Hi, this is Maggie Benoni, sports reporter at the Daily Emerald, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Emerald Podcast Network. We're podcasting from Tampa, Florida, where Oregon women's basketball has been defeated in the national semifinal at the Final Four by number one seed Baylor, 72-67, to ending the Ducks' season that has been, well, probably the most successful ever. And I think we talked about this a long time ago if they got to the final. Like, what was that point where you could call it a successful season? I think Final Four was the answer, and they got there. So a successful season for the Oregon women's basketball team. But they lose 72 to 67 in Tampa, Florida, the bigs proving to be too big for Oregon in the paint. The Ducks shooting 37%, 38 from three. Baylor didn't score a single three-pointer, 0 for three. They didn't need it. 54% shooting was enough, 72-67 from Tampa. So it will be Baylor and Notre Dame for the national championship. Notre Dame beating UConn in the second semifinal that came right after Oregon's game. And um, I'm Sean Meadow, and with me, Sierra Webster and Maggie Vanoni, we've been here covering. Thanks to everyone who donated, shared, or just got the word out and supported us in making this trip possible with the Daily Emerald, obviously an independent student newspaper on the campus of the University of Oregon. But the Ducks ended the game one of the last 13 field goals they missed the last five. Sabrina Ionescu went 6 of 24 in the game, 2 of 14 in the second half. And Sierra, the f- spreading the floor in this game was vital. And I know you wanted to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think going into this game, I was thinking that it was going to be really crucial for Oregon to really utilize all of their guards on the outside and really pull Baylor's defense out, especially Lauren Cox out of the post and to kind of create some more space for Hebrew down low and for like some driving lanes and scoring opportunities closer to the basket. Um, And I think that they did that. And I think that we can see that in the stats and, you know, all of the guards getting some really good like outside the perimeter shots. But I mean, like you were saying, even with their what was it, 36 or 32 points scored off of three-pointers. It just wasn't enough against Baylor's um, inside presence. And, like, I was expecting Heber to get a little more action, like she did up against McCowan, um, and, you know, have to fight for it down low. But um, she only gives four points off of four, sh- um, like, opportunities, for shooting opportunities. So she goes two for four. And so I think they – I feel like they – executed what they like the game plan they probably needed to but it just didn't end up being enough against Baylor's bigs yeah Oregon 12 of 32 from three-point range Aaron Boley hit a couple early on four of 12 she went though so she missed quite a few afterward and I, I think that was kind of just the story of this game for Oregon's shooting that is and just not up to par for them 12 points in that fourth quarter was just not enough to get Oregon over the line in this one but one of the highest scoring teams. And when you got the best offense versus the best defense, you're going to run into some trouble. And Oregon did, but it was a tough season for them or a tough way to end the season for them. Um, That locker room 
was pretty emotional. Maggie, you and I went in there. Sierra went to the press conference and the press conference as well. Sierra, I'm sure you were there to see that. But they come in with the red puffy eyes. You wrote that in your story after the game. And Maggie, the the locker room was a, t- a tough scene to see, of course. But you talked to Rudy Hebert significantly and wrote about her impact in this game. She didn't have much of one. Four points. It's a career low and nine rebounds in this game. She only shot the ball four times. Yeah. Like, I think for any Oregon fan that's watching this game, either indoor reporters, like, she had a bizarre off night. Like, to see not see a bucket from Ruthie Hebert in the first half was very, very bizarre. But she, like you said, she did a lot of work. She did a lot of work of boxing out Brown, of boxing out Cox. And it wasn't, like Sierra said, it wasn't. Like she was as aggressive as she was with McCowan just a week last, this almost the week before this. I just, you know, she was just having trouble getting the ball up for rebounds. She just couldn't get it up a couple times. She was called for traveling. She just was having, I don't want to say an off night because she did do really well defensively. She did have team highs in steals and in rebounds, but it's just her offense. Her offense was not kicking. Like, like you said, it was her. Four shots is her career low in two years. Since her freshman year, she's never had less than 10, it looked like. And when I went to talk with her, you know, you could tell she's worked up and you could tell, but she, these women are so composed. You go in there and you hear, the moment you go in there, you just hear sobs, but you, they're so composed. They were so composed the whole time. They're fighting back tears. You know, Ruthie obviously gave a couple of answers that she kept tight. She kept short on purpose without, you know, like triggering her emotions. It was... Definitely a scene that you'd expect. You know, I think as heartbreak as this loss was to them, and you can definitely feel that when you're talking to this, these players, a lot of them are so proud of the way they played. A lot of them are so proud of the path they got here. And I think that's why they were so, so composed in the locker room. I think that's why that they were able to give out good interviews and not, you know, stick to one-word answers and not throw t- temper tantrums like you've seen in other games. I think also to go back to Ruthie Hebert, she – it felt like she wasn't really looking to the basket to score. It felt like there was a lot of opportunities where she would get the ball in the low post against Brown and would just not even really look to the basket or look to make a move, um, but it was just kind of looking to pass it back out. And I feel like I saw a lot of kind of a pass-first mentality from her, which is not something we see a lot from Hebert. She's usually, you know, turning, to the, turning and squaring to the basket, trying to get low and get some kind of post move going on, but she wasn't really, we didn't really see that as much against Brown. I mean, both of the points that she did score were pick and roll situations where she was, she ended up open in the low post. So it just, it felt like a, like Maggie was saying, it felt like a pretty atypical game from Hebert. Absolutely. And you mentioned the pick and roll that that's how Oregon was cracking open this, this Baylor team drawing Lauren Cox out of the paint and getting Ruthie Hebert inside or Kalani Brown a couple times, even actually coming forward to try and make a play on Sabrina Ionescu as she drove in. Yeah, um, a tough game for Ionescu, obviously. But now it comes point where the discussion of WNBA draft comes into play. She was a little hesitant to talk about that, uh, as she's been this whole time, just pretty denial of having a a choice already. But she's going to have to make her decision really soon. Drafts on the tenth. She's got about what, like probably sixty something, seventy something hours now at this point before she has to make that call. 
it's interesting because she said some quotes where she was talking about next year. Kelly Graves in the press conference said something about players returning next year, kind of hinting that Sabrina was back. But then Sabrina also had quotes where she was saying how grateful she was to have played for this coaching staff, and it almost felt like a goodbye. Um, I'm not sure if it was, though. I don't know if she's staying or going, but there's a lot of me that thinks she's going after making a Final Four. At the same time, though, she might just be hungry to come right back. I don't know if either of you have any thoughts on it, but just having covered this team and seen her personality-wise and how these players react to questions about her, if there's been any telltale signs that say, hey, she's she's staying or hey, she's going. Because for me, it's it's a 50-50 right now, it feels like. I, I can't get a true read. My gut tells me that she's going because they made the final four but part of me saying no she's too devastated by this loss she wants to come back um i think first of all it's like a it's a pretty big shame that these athletes get so little time between when the final four is and when the draft is i think just like kind of poor timing and it puts players like sabrina ionescu in like hard situations where she has she's so focused on this game and then all of a sudden she has to make a pretty like big life-changing decision but as far as whether or not she'll go I think we'll just have to probably wait and see like the rest of the world or country um I think like you're saying it feels really 50 50 really hard to tell um I was in the press conference and someone asked the question kind of alluding to it and she very like stone cold was just like no like I'm we're not talking about that um which I think is fair I mean she she just lost an NCAA tournament final four game and it seems like a really quick turnaround for her and for other people um, like Jackie Young who are in this situation trying to figure it out. Yeah, I think I totally echo what Sierra said about having – it is very unfair that she does not get – she gets probably a day to soak in the loss. And knowing Sabrina, knowing how hard losses do hit her, she probably gets even less than a day to soak it in before she's you know has to weigh out every single side of what of each decision she would make. You know, and I – it is very 50-50 at this point. We kind of talked last night how we, we wouldn't be surprised if she went either way. We, like, you're, you only get one senior year. You only get one senior year with your, if your partner in crime with, with Ruthie. You don't like, but then again, is it, is it secured enough in her future that she would also be such a high draft pick next year? You know, granted, she probably will be a high draft pick, but no one knows the talent coming in yet. And, you know, we also talk, we talk a lot about, you know, but what would it mean for her to not play one more year at Oregon? I think her heart is very here. I think this is her family on the team. And, you know, skipping that final year, that final opportunity would be pretty big. And making the Final Four was definitely a yes, pointing in the WNBA future for her. But I think playing the way she did last night and losing just by five points, I think that stings so much more than making the Final Four to her. I think that, you know, she... She we we agreed she had an off night last night. Like this was not the Sabrina we've seen all all season long, and for her just to be okay with that, I think that's very un Sabrina. I think it's very un Sabrina to just be okay. But then again, when do you ever get to be the number one draft pick? An off night, eighteen points. Um, it's weird to say, but. It was six of twenty-four. Uh, Sabrina, though, I I don't know. For me, the WNBA draft being so quickly after the Final Four is just utterly ridiculous and a complete double standard because the NBA. 
obviously their seasons are different times, so they just makes sense in that sense, but it doesn't. It shouldn't be like that. That being said, though, it's rare for a junior to go in to a draft for the WNBA. So that's why I guess it's worked okay in the past where players would be seniors. So they already knew this going in. So now that we're facing this dilemma, maybe that changes things in the future. But I guess this is a little too big for an Oregon women's basketball podcast to dive too much into right now. But looking at this team going forward, I think you have players like Satu Sabali coming back, no matter what, Aaron Boley, Ruthie Hebert, and those players are going to be joined up by Satu's little sister, Niara, who's been with the team. Taylor Chavez didn't get to play in this NCAA tournament with injury, and she's definitely going to come back hungry next year. And with Maite Cazorla graduating, that leaves that door open for Chavez. It might leave it open for a freshman that comes in when we see what this recruiting class ends up looking like. But Oregon's not in bad hands. Kelly Graves obviously turning this program around. He said four and four took five years, but it's a big event. And I think just playing on this stage puts Oregon in a position for years to come where there's going to be a lot of talk about this team and people are going to be talking about them when they're talking about top teams in the nation, like Baylor, like Notre Dame, like UConn, which is obviously something that this program might not have expected when Kelly Graves came in, but here they are presented with this opportunity and come around next year, who knows, back in the final four, maybe even national champions, but that could be very dependent on Sabrina Ionescu coming back. I think she's a top pick this year. I don't think that really matters for her, whether she's the number one pick this year or the number one pick next year or the number 12 pick. she I don't think that matters for her. I think what she said when when was that, she was asked about it as well in the locker room was, I just have to figure out what's important to me. So that'll be some discussions, discussions she'll have with like her, her parents or her brothers or her family. Mainly, I'd assume that's who she's talking to. Obviously, Kelly Graves. Be interesting to know what's going on on that plane right now as they fly back. But Oregon women's basketball falling in the national semifinals, still a season to be proud of a lot for this team to keep its head up. But at the same time, this just might have been the year to do it with Maite Cazorla, just lockdown player in the backcourt. Sabrina Ionescu, if she does decide to go, it would just be a lot of a lot of pieces to fill because my take is Orla definitely the unsung hero of this team over her four years. And in her final game as an Oregon duck gets nine points, hit one, three and in classic Cazorla fashion had four assists. So just to see her playing that way. And of course, 39 minutes, she plays 40 with the flu doesn't matter for her, but it was, it was weird. I mean, we're all graduating seniors so to walk away from this beat, walk away from covering it for one last time, it's it's weird. It, it's certainly a weird moment. Audie Gilden got in that game. She's a senior. Very emotional in the locker room, as expected. Two for four. She got herself some points in the final four. So the only duck that didn't was Lydia Giomi. She went 0 for 1. So every single duck that played took a shot, which is 
really cool to see. I think that Kelly Graves was able to use the bench, get all these players in because Morgan Yeager didn't get in against Mississippi State in the Elite Eight. But Santu Sabali's foul trouble, which was a key point in this game, I think the four personal fouls he got early, that kind of halted Oregon. I think Oregon might have won this game if Santu Sabali didn't have those those fouls. If she wasn't in that foul trouble, Oregon has bigger bodies in the paint and around the key, able to make plays defensively, offensively. And then at the minute 30 left, I think it was when Sabley had a three point attempt that was pretty open and she hits them. She does. She hit three of them in this game. Missed this one. And that's the telltale sign of a team run out of luck. And I think that's just what it's all about at this point. And Kim Mulkey's team, obviously playing some of the best basketball in the country, possibly the best. They are number one, but they'll play Notre Dame on Sunday here in Tampa. Oregon women's basketball season comes to an end with a 72 to 67 loss to Baylor. Uh, And I think that's something to be proud of. Baylor really, really put the beat down on all of the teams that they played in this tournament, um, winning by at least 25 points, averaging a 38 point like margin of victory. And for Oregon to come in first time in the final four and get within five points of Baylor and really, really run with them pretty, pretty level, you know, 12 ties, 12 lead changes. Um, I think it's something to to be proud of to make it to the final four and get this close to advancing in the their very first final four is not something um, that I would take lightly. And I think that in the long run, this game should be something that this, that this team is proud of. Oregon women's basketball. Season done. Any last reactions, Maggie? I think we earlier in the season we said final four or bust, you know, and like from the very beginning this team had that had that umph. They had what it took to get here. And I'm I think I agree with the Sierra. They should be so proud that they got here and loss sucks and loss is heartbreak, but it wasn't a blowout. And it, it was a fight like we've seen Oregon fight all their hard games. It was a good fight from Oregon and it wasn't yeah, a couple, you had Ruth, you had Sabrina not playing their best, but it wasn't a bad game. Like, it wasn't, we've seen them have bad, we've seen them have bad games, and this was not a bad game. And I don't think, while it stings, I don't think this loss should have an detrimental impact to the program. And I think that they've done so much more they should be proud of. They've brought so much attention to not only Oregon, but the state of Oregon and college women's basketball. I mean, you have Sabrina, who's, an, like you said, Sean, the other day, she's a household name now. And I think that's just incredible what this team has done within a year. And I think that's way more impor- impressive than a five-point loss in the Final Four. Yeah, and it all goes back even more than just the year, I think. This team making back-to-back Elite Eight runs and then a third. And Boy, how different we'd be talking about it if they lost to Mississippi State. Three ba- straight Elite Eight losses it would be. But to for these seniors, they were in a WNIT freshman year, sophomore year. Just wasn't wasn't panning out in that freshman year. And then sophomore year, you roll around and holy cow, this team is a whole different ball game. And it, I think getting to that elite eight was a moment where you're thinking, oh, this team's going to get to a final four. And then last year where it just didn't pan out, it just didn't work out in that elite eight game for Oregon in Spokane against Notre Dame, went on to win it. They might lose to the eventual champions twice in a row here three times in a row actually did UConn win it 
I don't remember if UConn won it. It was South Carolina. Yeah, it was South. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. How do we forget that? Oh, boy. Um, we swear we covered the sport. Um, yeah, South Carolina winning that one. So it would have been it would be two in a row, possibly, if Baylor is to win it tomorrow on Sunday. But Oregon women's basketball with just an unforgettable ride, I think, these past few years with this team. And that's why I just don't know if we'll see them back in the Final Four next year without Sabrina, because then it's just a whole different team. And then it's some young freshmen with some veterans trying to take over this this game. But that'll do it for this, I guess, final edition of the Oregon Women's Basketball Podcast on the Emerald Podcast Network. For Sierra Webster and Maggie Vanoni, I'm Sean Meadow. Thanks to Ryan Wynn back in Eugene editing this podcast all the way from Tampa, Florida. At the Women's Final Four, will be at the arena for that championship game. But the Ducks, they won't be losing to Baylor in the national semifinals, 72 to 67. Subscribe to the Emerald Podcast Network and support independent student journalism. That's how we got here was thanks to all of your support making this trip and this experience one we'll never forget and for making it possible. So thanks for listening and thanks for donating and sharing. Mm -hmm.